0: Boils and ghouls, and welcome to another edition of Crip Speakers, a Tales from the Crip podcast that says, "Is this too much?" Um, I'm your co-ghost, Jay Tyler, and with me, as always, is
1: Sassy Correa.
0: Hi, Sassy. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. We've had some chunky tech issues getting here started, but we're here, and it is an exciting episode. It's a big momentous occasion for Crip speakers. We have our very first uh, guest Crip speaker coming in into the Crypt here with us. We've got our, you know, our setup for guests, our drinks out. You know, we're all wearing our party hats Um, because we have with us a friend of mine, someone who I've done uh, his podcast with. He's the host of several pop culture podcasts. He's one of the most vivacious consumers of pop culture that you've probably forgotten about that I know. It's Phil (laughs) Gonzalez. Hey, Phil, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, You know, for folks who might be listening to this who aren't familiar with your work, you are uh, much more accustomed to doing shows that are much more wholesome than the show that we do.
2: Yeah, I don't usually uh, delve so deeply into the seedier side of pop culture. I mean, I do have a a, a horror-themed podcast, but even it doesn't usually get that this lascivious it's 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 it's,
0: uh based on the work of del toro so it's a classier side of horror than we necessarily are
2: talking (laughs) about here right
0: um but no i i'm so excited to have you here you're one of my favorite podcasters one of my favorite online friends so very excited to have you here with us today
2: it's great Um, to be here
0: yeah great um before we uh get into this um something of an episode i don't even know the proper adjective for it Uh, i did want to ask you so you know when we first started this podcast we talked about our experience with tales from the crypt um not to speak out of school or anything you are a little bit older than us but i was wondering what is your like what is your experience relationship like familiarity with tales from the crypt both the show as well as the ec comics like legacy that it was inspired
2: by well I mean you know like this show it ran for so long so it ran from like before I was in high school up through when I was in college so it like it covered like a lot of my adolescence but strangely I didn't I didn't have cable so the only times I was able to watch uh any of the episodes anything was if i was at a friend's house and we just happened to be around when it came on but i also wasn't much of a horror guy when i was younger mm. so i i was i was a little squeamish i was a little like uh i don't know i don't want to see anything too like too gross or too scary that all came like later on in my in my life uh but i did catch a few episodes in college and enough episodes that it completely biased what I always thought this show was. Because I only saw, Mm -hmm. like, I always saw, like, you know, like, and all through the house, like, the famous... Like the really, the really like right. high quality ones that people talk about. So, in my mind, mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, Tales from the Crypt, it was, it was, uh, you know, like sort of a high, like a higher brow horror. It was, it was like sort of the cream of the crop. Like, oh, you knew you were getting like a super great, like tight 30 minutes of solid, like star studded horror. This was, this was, this was like the, the pinnacle. It was, it was past Tales from the Dark Side. It was, it was past monsters. It was, it was past all of that. This was, this was where you wanted to be. And it wasn't until later. Later on in my life that I realized, oh, no, there's a lot of really lousy episodes of Tales from the Crypt, like not just in like how they're made, but like just the 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 plot and the themes and the source material could be pretty, pretty lowbrow.
0: Right. And I think, that yeah, I think that's all really um, on the nose with what our experience has been like all through the house is is, you know, and it's the second episode of the show. Mm hmm. And so, like, we're, you know, we're in it. We're, we have kind of mixed feelings about the first one, but we watch that episode. It's like, okay, we're in good hands. Robert Zemeckis directed episode. <laughs> um, and, like, there have been some highs and lows, um, but we've been on a bit of a string of, like, boy, howdy. Have we made an awful mistake? We both agree. We're too far in it now. We can't turn back now.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and. You know, for every Robert Zemeckis, you get, like... And you have Richard Donner, and you have, like, Mary Lambert. You have, like, real... Like, Walter Hill? Like, these are names, and... But they weren't always working with the best material, and they weren't always working with the best budgets, or, like, time crunch.
0: Right. Walter Hill, especially. We, uh... The last Walter Hill episode was a real bummer for us. Uh, but, yeah. Like, I think... It, it is a thing of like, it's both the time crunch, it's the budget crunch, it's the, how do you get through these stories in 30 minutes? How do you tell that highbrow style horror in mm-hmm. a condensed form like this? Um, so, um, but glad to have you here. Um, you are somebody who I really appreciate the opinion of. And when I asked you what episode you wanted to do, you said, <laughs> I, w- I want to do four-sided triangle. And I asked you late er, uh, earlier today, why did you want to do four sided triangle?
2: (laughs) And I and I and I'm honest when I say I don't honestly know. I think it was because it was a Tom Holland episode, and I'm always intrigued by the career of Tom Holland. I find like his approach to horror interesting. Like when he's firing on all cylinders, he's really. I mean, he took yeah you know like he you know, he wrote Psycho Two, which I consider a fantastic sequel. Like it's the impossible sequel, and yet he managed to turn it into like an actual like worthy follow up to the original psycho. And yeah, you know, he directed Child's play. Uh, he directed Fright Night. like these were these were subversive horror movies these were these were movies that were about what they were about like fright night is a vampire movie about vampire movies child's play is a killer doll movie that makes you question the killer doll movie like so i was like oh well this should be interesting Like, i I'm wonder what he he's going to do with a with a with this story and he took one of the skeeziest shock suspense stories i've ever read And somehow made it even skeezier. Yeah.
0: Uh, Well, that seems like a perfect uh, transition. Ceci, do you want to walk us through some of the creatives who were associated with this episode of Tales?
1: Sure. Uh, So um, we've already mentioned Tom Holland. Uh, I did also want to call out that he did uh, Love or Come Hack to Me from season one. Which is an episode episode we liked. Yeah, I think we both like that one. Uh and he also has one more episode coming up uh 2 years from now uh in in series time in season 4. We're in season 2 right now. Uh, and that episode happens to star Brad Pitt.
0: Oh boy. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, that's so we have uh, that to look forward exciting. to. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: I uh, I feel like we I, this should be obvious, but this is not the Spider-Man Tom Holland. This is right. A, <laughs> yes. A was older a Tom Holland. In the early 90s, yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, and also uh, from a writing perspective, he also has a co-writing credit. Uh, I looked up the fellow who co-wrote this with him. His name is mm-hmm. James uh, Tugend, and this is his first ever writing credit. Uh, but did seem to be more of a producer than a writer. Um, so I thought okay. that was interesting that this is his first just screenplay possibly mm-hmm. ever. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's not not too bad. Uh, and now this is uh, starring Patricia Arquette, uh, Chelsea Ross. I'm assuming it's pronounced Chelsea, although it's a weird spelling of Chelsea. Uh, and Susan J. Uh, Blomert whom I honestly, I'm not familiar with either of them. The only person I was familiar with is obviously Patricia Arquette. Mm-hmm. Um, yes.
0: My wife watched a ton of medium uh, during the pandemic. So oh, I'm nice. very familiar with the work yes. of Patricia Arquette.
1: <laughs> um, um, but and this yeah, is a very like, young
0: Patricia Arquette in this yes. episode. Yes.
1: Yeah. I It's probably one of her earlier... Uh, I was just roles. checking that to
0: see what she has done right before this. This is 1990. She's uh she just did a uh CBS school break special, The Girl with the Crazy Brother is the name of that one. Which
2: which we she watched does. in health class oh, in high school. I was about to say I've I bet oh.
0: Phil could actually tell, give me a synopsis of The Girl the with The girl crazy with brother. the
2: crazy brother is about a girl played by Patricia Charquette, who has a brother, played by the guy from Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Not the nerdy guy, but the cool guy. I can't think of the actor's name. It's about schizophrenia. And what was amazing was, in order to illustrate a a boy with schizophrenia, they give him literally every possible symptom a person could have with schizophrenia. And the entire sh- special just goes off the rails by the end. It's Buck Wild, and uh, and not exactly a very educational episode to watch <laughs> on schizophrenia. Yes, sure. pr- go with the crazy brother. <laughs> right.
0: So, so that's that show. Um, but she
2: had done she had done Night on Elm Street three. Like that was like her big her big breakout before right. this. Like so, she was a li- a bit of a known quantity at this point, at least to horror fans.
0: Right. Well, what to say? So, like within the horror world, she would be known. Mm-hmm. Uh she's she because she is in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 she's also that's like her first credit like that's interesting. Yep. yep. Um and then yeah like she's also of course in the Dawkins
2: Dream Warriors video. <laughs> yes. Uh but this is what this is like a few years before True Romance which was really like right. Let's put her out there. That's like let's see what she can do and and then of course Ed Wood came the next year and she was just amazing in that so I know I love right. Patricia Arquette. I think she's great.
0: Well, and this is something that we, we so like when you talk about like the, the star-studded episodes, like we watched an episode earlier this season that like the second episode of the season, or maybe the first episode of the season, had Demi Moore in it, mm-hmm. like three yeah, months before Ghost one. came out. Yeah. yeah. But but it's like right before Ghost comes out and she becomes the biggest star in the world. Right. Uh, just really fascinating to see these people like right on the cusp of becoming big deals.
2: Well, Susan Blomert is uh, an actress I'm always happy to see turn up in things. She's one of those like, oh, that, that's that person actors, because uh, I know her from Pet Cemetery and I know her from Edward Scissorhands. But of course, then I look at her list of credits and I'm like, oh, right, she's in like... A lot of things inside Lewin Davis. Uh, yeah, John Wick three. I forgot that she was in John Wick three. Like she just has one of those faces. She always plays like a very serious woman, uh, a very humorless mm-hmm. woman. Uh, very but, pinched yeah.
0: features. Yes,
2: yes. Uh, uh, but I, I, she's uh, she's great. She's an amazing actress. She's just she's just one of those people who never stops working.
0: Yeah, yeah. We we talked before about how this is a perfect like character actor. Like oh that person. It's usually mm-hmm. that guy, but in this case it's oh that lady. Uh, yeah, there's uh, a
1: lot of character actors in this show. Um so getting into the actual episode, I do have to say that uh just as a content warning, uh this episode does involve rape, uh, and it is quite uncomfortable. Uh at least it was for me, uh, to watch it. Oh, um, uh, yeah, and co-signed also that. So the yeah the the response that the character has after the attempted at rape was really weird, uh, to say the least. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to start off by giving out that content warning that if you're uncomfortable with that topic, maybe skip this episode.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's a hundred percent accurate to say that. This is, I feel like we come week we're saying this, but like this seems to be a new low in terms of like just like. Is this going to make you say like this is this is too far? Like this this bridge, we've burned it behind us, and we've now yeah.
1: Well, um, and I feel also but, so far when we've watched some of the episodes, it doesn't get quite like this. I think the worst that we've seen so far was in that Demi Moore episode uh, with her right. Jeffrey Tambor, where he corners her, but he doesn't mm-hmm. quite get to this. To this level of forcefulness. Uh, yeah. And it's not just. It's also. We'll get into it. Uh, it, it it's not just one scene. Uh, no. But anyway. No. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. there's some, some uh, questionable stuff going on here. With consent. Um, so. Uh, but uh, we do start. With the Crypt Keeper. As always being the best part of the show. Um, he is. Uh, deflowering. A flower. Is there a better way to say that? Deep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: picking? Yeah. Uh, I think yes. probably <laughs> like the more PG way of putting that.
1: yeah, no, it's a an actual flower, but now I'm 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 guessing that's probably the metaphor that they're going for. Uh, yeah, no, I and... didn't think that,
0: yeah, you, you found the subtle imagery of Tales from the Crypt.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the crypt Keeper is just uh peddling this flower, going, she loves me, she loves me not. And then I think uh, he says something about, like, blah, flowers, what do they know? Uh, and then the crypt Keeper proceeds to tell us that tonight's tale is a tawdry tale, to sh- sure to arouse the sickies amongst you with some heavy breathing. <laughs>
2: uh, and Here I thought,
1: <laughs> was a Really weird choice of words. Those sickies amongst you. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Sicky, yeah, this, this one goes out to all my sickies out there.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: we we have to talk about the Crypt Keeper's attire. He's dressed up like a farm boy. I think that that's important, too. He's wearing a plaid shirt and yes. suspenders and a jaunty all right. hat. Yeah, uh, so I
1: think he, the there's... The Crypt
0: Keeper gets into uh, some crop... Prop comedy, I'm always a big fan one, of that.
1: Yeah, one thing I have been noticing in these uh, recent episodes, it's that whenever they, they can give the Crypt Keeper props, they have absolutely been doing it, even if it doesn't relate to the episode at all. But in this one, it looks like it does. Um, yeah, so this I'll looks, say- this uh, is uh, a little bit better. Our,
0: our ongoing tracking of if the opening has anything to do with the episode, I think this one definitely passes that
2: test at the very least. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. in yeah, so far list. as the
2: as the as the episode takes place on a farm, I guess it's funny because I can imagine yeah. them. I can imagine them just being like, OK, we've got this episode. How do we make the intro funny? Like, how can we how can we set this up with a wacky puppet? Like, what can we have him say that would in any way prepare you for what's going to happen on screen in about a five? <laughs> minutes?
0: I, I do. I do like again this line about how it's sure to arouse the sickies amongst you. Like that is as close as this show gets to a content warning of like listen, if you if you aren't down for some real uh, gnarly shit, get out now. This is the time to to get away if you can't de- if you can't hang with the sickest that the show's going
2: to get. Well, plus, I mean, it, it tries to have its cake and eat it too because it says like if you if you you know like if it, it's it's a if, you, if you're into this you're really messed up, but then like the way Holland films this whole episode just has the camera crawling all over Patricia Arquette like yeah. it's uh it's very much like it, 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 it's very disingenuous I guess if that's their approach to this which because I mean it's it's trying to tell them a, a pseudo moral tale while also appealing to the prurient interests of the audience which i just like it's it doesn't quite square in my opinion
0: right and and as you said tom holland is definitely a very like knowing director. like he knows what he's up to at any Mm -hmm. given time like it's not like an accident but yeah right getting into it but yeah like i think that that's a very key point like they're they're telling you up front we know that this is that what what's going on in this episode is not above board Mm -hmm. But you like that, don't you? Right.
1: Yeah. uh, And so we, uh, to actually start with the story in the episode, we open on a farm. Uh, We can see it's the Yates farm. uh, And we see an old lady walking down the stairs and she's uh, already mad. Uh, It looks like she just woke up. uh, But like I said, she woke up pretty much mad already. Uh, She stops to try to smell, uh, see if she can smell some coffee. And she gets even more mad when she realizes that there is no coffee uh, ready for her on the stove. Uh, And immediately uh, she yells, Rachel, where's my coffee? Uh, And she (laughs) very angrily walks over to whom we assume it must be Rachel, I guess. Uh, And she has a cane and she starts beating her up uh, and trying to get her to wake up. And go to the kitchen. Uh, And then she says, well, let's see if you can do something right. Get me my eggs. And gives her an egg basket. So presumably, Rachel walks over to the kitchen coop uh, to pick up eggs. And some old guy, uh, we later uh, learn his name is George, just ogles her uh and what makes me what what i feel is really uncomfortable about this is that she's she's literally wearing jeans and a jean jacket she's completely covered uh but this george guy is just still completely ogling her uh we can tell it's making her uncomfortable and she gets in the coop um and it's hot in the coop so she takes off her jean jacket and she starts picking up eggs Um, And this gross old dude, George, comes over and starts looking at her through a hole in the, I guess, wall, (laughs) whatever, um, through the boards. Uh, And what I think was interesting is that I actually didn't find this scene sexy at all. Like, I think that's, to me, that was the (laughs) point. She's literally just wearing jeans and a tank top. Um, And it's, like I said, it's, it's hot in the coop. But she's not, I, I didn't read her as being sexy. Um, mm. I, 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 I think read
0: that her it's, as. I, I think it's definitely one of those things where, kind of speaking to what Phil was saying earlier, like, Holland is giving us as prurient a view of what's going on as possible. Like, he's definitely like, because we cut back and forth between, like, seeing her and, like, just seeing his eyeball through the wall or, like, seeing yeah. him peeking through. And I and I, I, we're definitely, like, supposed to be, like, we are participating in this leering. Um, and I would agree, it's one of those things where I would agree that I'd not find it especially sexy, but I think it's inherently sexual in in a weird way. And I think it's just the way, way it's shot, uh, to get to get into like yeah, specifics of it. Like you can see like the shape of her nipple through her shirt. Like her shirt is very thin. Like it's very leering, if not necessarily especially arousing.
1: It's yeah, it's shot in a way where you think they might start playing like some saxophone music in the background. Mm-hmm. But again, to me, what she was doing didn't match that vibe. So I thought for, I do, yeah. at least for myself, there was a weird disconnect between that. Um, right.
2: What I was what, what I found curious about the way it was filmed was that you're 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 tricked into thinking you're seeing this from the perspective of the farmer uh except that the the camera then immediately cuts in far closer and from far too many different angles like if it had been shot simply from his perspective and you were only like kind of seeing her in like in like bits and pieces that's Mm. one thing but like holland really goes in there and i was like okay all of a sudden like you're you're switching from like our villain's POV into like just sort of free floating camera and yeah like you said it sounds like like cinemax saxophone should start playing like are you tr- yeah it, it's not a, it's not a sexy scene but are you are they trying to make it a sexy scene or is this supposed to be ironic like i couldn't figure it out yeah right
1: um and so so yeah she starts picking up the eggs uh and then eventually she realizes she's being watched so she uh, leaves, and as she's walking by this uh, George guy again, uh, and by the way, she put back on her jean jacket because she was uncomfortable. So again, she she covers up. Uh, and as she's walking by this guy again, he says, he he doesn't even say anything, doesn't greet her by her name, doesn't say good morning. He just says, milk the cow. And then she says, um, that's tomorrow, today's eggs. And then uh, she kind of looks at him and stares at a key that's dangling from his neck. And he kind of reflexively touches it. Uh, We don't know what the key is for yet. Uh, And then he says, I said, milk the cow. And so uh, she goes to milk the cow. Um, And at this point, he calls Rachel Mary Jo. And I found this a little confusing. Uh, I... Can get into it a little bit later. I have a theory on that, but let's just go with the fact that he called her Mary Joe instead of Rachel, which is what um, Louisa, the old lady, called her earlier. Uh, and yeah, I'll asks, have to review the uh, I don't
0: remember her being called Rachel early on, but like I, I, don't doubt you. But like I'll, I'll review the tape. This might be another uh, duck meat situation. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Well, and it's, uh, it's kind of interchangeable throughout the episode because she at the very beginning of the episode, she literally says she screams Rachel. Uh, and throughout mm. the episode, she uh, specifically uh, Louisa goes in between calling her Mary, Joe and Rachel. So my theory, okay. my theory is that there was probably another Rachel, another girl that they took in. Um, mm. And I think so this is not
0: the first time they've basically taken a girl captain. Yes, as we'll get into. I think right. that's
1: kind of what it's supposed to be kind of alluding to. Uh, But Mm. I just thought, uh, I was like, wait, so what is her name? Um, And so she is milking the cow and George comes in uh, and calls her Mary Jo uh, and says, I'd like to talk to you. Uh, And like immediately you get a very just bad, bad vibe going on. He gets really close to her and she's like. Trying to get away. Um, And he says, look, I just want to talk to you. And he tries to grab her. uh, And then she throws uh, the milk bucket at him and tries to run away. Uh, And he says, look, if you don't do as I say, I'm going to call the police on you and tell them that I found you outside. It was something like I found you outside a convenience store or something. Kind of alluding that maybe she has uh, some sort of uh, past that she's trying to run away from. She says, uh, call the police. I don't care. I just want to stay away from you. And then at this point, uh, the old lady kind of starts to hear uh, Mary, Mary Jo, Rachel scream. uh, And um, she comes over to try to see what's happening. Uh, And at this point, uh, George freaks out and he smacks Mary Jo, Rachel over the head with a glass bottle. She immediately falls on the floor uh, and then blood comes out of her head, uh, and she pretty much looks dead. At which point, uh, George tries to cover up her body with some hay, um, right?
0: Frantically, like starts scooping hay over here. Which I'm like, that's right. not gonna yes. hide George. Like that's not gonna yeah. <laughs> cover your ass on this one. Yeah,
1: and this is the incident where I felt I felt really uncomfortable watching it. Um, just mm. the whole. I feel like it escalated really quickly, and then especially. Uh, when she gets hit over the head and you start to see her bleed, I mean, it's just um, I don't feel yeah. like we've seen anything like this yet. Uh, on it's
0: really intense. The show, it's, it's, it's yes, like we we have seen multiple episodes where lovers murder each other, and this is definitely the most intense violence that we have seen on this show. Yeah, I, I would argue. Maybe mm, I say maybe three's a crowd. Like the the murder scene in that might have a uh a stronger component of violence to it, but, but they're fairly, but this is just so explosive, like, and like right out the gate, like there's no buildup.
1: Yes. It,
0: really. yeah. Um The other, so I'm going to slide in here. Cause it, I think that this is relevant and I might do this more again. Cause I've actually found it very enlightening. So I read the original comic story that this was based on. And it's worth noting that in that comic story, there's a lot of like him, like sort of socially pressuring her and like, kind of like basically like constantly propositioning her verbally, but there's no moment of physical assault in the comic. Certainly not to this degree, there might be some touching, but there's no like moment where he's like grabbing her and certainly no like head injury moment. So that's important to.
2: Right. uh, In the, in the, in the comic, the comic starts. Uh, Plot-wise, it begins essentially after this action happens, and the the Mary Joe character Annie is simply a farm girl who works for them and is just described as like being touched in the head. Like, you 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 assume that she has some kind of like developmental disability or something. She's just she's she doesn't process information as quickly. She's a little childlike, and but there's no like brain injury or anything in that story. It just starts. With her being like this like young farmhand. Right.
1: Yeah. uh, And so the old lady Louisa comes out uh, to the barn to see what all the kerfuffle is about. uh, And then she finds uh, George uh, at the door. And my dogs decided this is a great time uh, to do (laughs) a fight play. So if you hear some... Doggies fighting and barking in the background. They're just having a. The grand Crips barkers time. have made a return. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and so uh, Lisa comes out to the barn, tries to figure out what's happening, uh, and George says, uh, "Hey, uh, what's up?" And she says, "Have you seen Rachel?" And he <laughs> says, "No." And then she she says, "Didn't you hear Mary Jo scream?" So again, it like within the same bit of dialogue she calls her by two different names um and then uh he says no i didn't hear anything uh, and then she notices that he has milk on his collar so she says well what's that on your shirt and he says oh i was milking the cow and it probably got on me and she says wait a minute you don't milk the cow rachel does um and so Plus at it's that all point, it's
2: all over him
1: <laughs> also, yeah
2: <laughs> like that's quite a milking oh, yeah. accident yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and she at this point she's like giving him the benefit of the doubt when he very much looks like very guilty uh and then he finally kind of caves under that pressure and he says look i didn't mean to do it she says mean to do what and she walks in and he walks over to where uh mary joe rachel uh, was sitting uh, or lying on the floor and then notices that she's not there anymore. Um, and the old lady says, uh, essentially, like, look, you can beat them, but you can't kill them because you can always get more milk, but you can't get more help. So this is kind of where I'm getting the idea that perhaps the reason why she started off the episode calling her Rachel instead of Mary Joe is... Clearly, it looks like they want free help. Right. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, and, it, and
0: I, I think it's established at this point that basically, like, they're blackmailing. Like, the whole thing is that he's just, like, they found her, I think, robbing a convenience store or something. And they mm-hmm. like, basically, like, took her captive. It's like, hey, you come work for us or we're going to call the cops. And so she's, like, out on their farmland that's, like, really, like, isolated. She has no way of getting out. And so she's basically she's basically their slave. Um, this is all sort of communicated very like through very like passing dialogue Um, but it's this thing of like yeah I'm like in her like comment here about like you can beat them but you can't you know kill Kill them them, yeah yeah Yeah. uh, and real wild
1: and so at this point we cut to Rachel and we see that she's alive uh, but she's trying to run away she runs into a cornfield uh, and she's bleeding and unfortunately she's leaving A trail of blood that can very easily (laughs) lead back to her um and so that's exactly what happens uh louisa and george see these uh, little droplets of blood and start uh, following it Uh, in the meantime rachel finds her way into a cornfield where she sees a scarecrow clown, so it's like if you <laughs> wanted to take a scarecrow and make it even more creepy, you would make it into a scarecrow clown. Uh, uh, um,
0: again, this is one of those things where, like, reading the story was very illustrative. That actually is pulled directly from the original comic. That it, it is also a, like, a scarecrow nice. wearing a clown mask for some reason. So, like, I think that that is probably like the central imagery that, like, Tom Holland was like, "That's creepy." I like creepy, like youngian imagery like the scarecrow crown combination like taps into not one but two weirdly inhuman things
1: yeah uh Uh, and what's what's great about this though is that as she is lying on the floor and she's kind of uh it looks like she's about to faint uh the clown moves and it extends the hand uh towards her almost as if he's trying to help her up and right. when that happened, I have to say, I absolutely popped for it. I was like, hell, <laughs> yes, we have a clown <laughs> in a cornfield. Maybe it's like some sort of ghost. Maybe it's like a supernatural type of thing. I was starting to think maybe this monster is going to avenge her. I was on so Yeah, Phil, just at so you know, we point. are
0: starved for any like supernatural aspect of any of these episodes
1: because <laughs> yeah. they're
0: few and far between. So the moment anything unusual happens in any episode of tales <laughs> from the crypt we geek out for it
2: so yeah yeah you think tales from the crypt you think a lot more like ghosts and like in like goblins than uh, from looking at the the episodes that they did remembering that like ec comics were mostly just like these like weird morality tales like they weren't necessarily about the ghouls were the inter- were the people who introduced the stories 9 times out of 10 it was just gangsters right yeah, or, or and people that's doing honestly, insurance schemes.
1: <laughs> yes, because we all know just how fun and interesting insurance schemes are. <laughs> right. <laughs> you um, know what's funny is
2: uh, I learned that from doing a Berenstain Bears podcast for years because half nice. the chapter books are about insurance schemes.
1: <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, so after this uh creepy uh scarecrow clown tries to reach for her, uh she collapses. um and so Louisa and this uh old uh gross dude George finally find mary Jo slash rachel uh she they find her that she's okay, but she's passed out uh and so George immediately okay says, is
0: is a generous term for her state, <laughs> yeah, she's she alive. <laughs>
1: um and so so george says like look uh whatever she says like don't you go listening to what she has to say because she had a blow to the head uh so obviously he's um he's afraid that she's gonna rat him out uh but then she doesn't she wakes up and then she says where's my man uh and she starts mumbling some stuff and then she says i want him to make love to me but he wouldn't which is really weird. Uh, so I guess we kind of are left to infer that she thinks that the scarecrow clown is her man, and she's kind of in love with it. And she was really hoping that they would have sex together. I guess. Uh, which yeah, is sex like a cornfield, really everyone's dream. Weird. It's a <laughs> weird response to being, uh head over the head after being almost... Well, not almost. After being sexually assaulted. Um, so this is another thing that I find really just a weird choice. Uh, especially knowing that in the comic, she was just... You know, this didn't happen. So it's almost like it within the context of this episode, they're like, okay, how are we gonna sort of justify um, her kind of going uh, a little crazy and thinking that the scarecrow is alive... Um yeah we'll just we'll just hit her over the head and say that this kind of happened as a result. Um right
0: it, so it goes from from her just being generally mentally disabled to to having this traumatic brain injury and this is the outcome of it which I don't know which is a better choice, honestly.
2: Right. As, as someone who, who works for a brain injury organization, uh, I can tell you that Scarecrows coming alive is generally not one of the symptoms of brain injury. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so we cut to dinner time and Mary Jo slash Rachel is making something unclear what she's making. She's making brown goo, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
2: Country food. And
1: her demeanor is completely different. She is happy and bubbly, uh, which, again, I just found really unsettling uh, after what we just saw. Uh, and she has a big hole, like, on her jeans, presumably from the kerfuffle earlier. Uh, and it's right by her butt. But, again, it's not sexy. It's not... You can't see. You literally can't see anything. It's just literally a hole on her jeans on her butt. Um, and George looks at it and he's like, oh, wow. Hole on the butt. Oh, my God. That's like totally <laughs> my kink. I'm really into it. Um, and so he goes over and is totally being creepy again. Smells her and he says, oh, you smell nice. And she says, oh, thank you. I found some honeysuckle. And, uh, rubbed it all over myself for my man. And he's like, you ain't got no, you ain't got no man. And she says, uh, I do too. And he starts kind of trying to go for a kiss and she's like, uh, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm just trying to be friendly. Which is whatever every guy says whenever they send you an unsolicited dick pic. And you don't like it. And you're like, um... No, thank you. And then they're like, uh "Look, I was just trying to be nice to you, okay?" And like, I mean, really, like that's what guys say. As,
0: as someone who's never been on the receiving end of a dick <laughs> pic, I can't imagine. That's the defense of like, oh no, this is me being nice. I'm like, no, it's not. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah,
1: if like, oh, you're, you you didn't appreciate it. I was trying to be nice to you by sending you this unsolicited dick pic. Uh, (laughs) I was showing
0: you my penis. Something everyone wants to see, I imagine.
1: Uh, And so, right when he's uh, trying to be friendly towards her, um, she says, like, look, I already have a friend like that. Uh, He doesn't do that to me, so you better not. And he's like, oh, well, he's a fool. And at this point, uh, Louisa comes in and she's like, what are you two talking about? And immediately uh, George flies over to the other side of the room and he's like, I was right. not trying to do anything You or might as well have thrown a
0: pair of wings and like literally flown <laughs> away from her. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so uh, she's like, oh, I was just telling George here not to get friendly with me because I already got a friend like that. Louisa says, uh, what do you mean friendly? And George totally gaslights her and is like, oh, you know, she's just talking about her man that totally doesn't exist. And so Louisa says, like, what What man are you trying to talk about? Like, who are you talking about? And Rachel's like, oh, well, you know, he's really tall. And he looks like a clown. and He's made of hay. <laughs> um, she, doesn't, she doesn't say the made of hay part, made made of hay. But she does say that he's very tall. Um, and she's like, and now I'm going to get him to make love to me. And it's like, okay? The fuck? Yeah, the... Okay. Uh,
0: the amount of times that the term "make love to me" is said in this episode uh, is really uncomfortable.
2: A lot yeah. of times, it's said a lot of times in the. It's. It, I think it's worth noting that this point. At this point, the the script is very nearly word for word the comic. Uh, this whole scene
0: is definitely like word for word, like what the kind of conversation they're
2: having, ex- except for the names and made love. She says like getting friendly. That's as much as she says, right. like, but it's it's heavily implied that's what she's referring to in the comic. Yeah, uh, but in the comic, and I, I think this is also worth noting in the comic, the wife is she's older and she's stern, but she's never being shown being cruel to the Mary Joe character. Uh, she's she's angry at her husband a lot, but she never right. hits the girl. And in fact, when she's like, you have a, I have a boyfriend, and she's like, well, I'm glad you have a boyfriend. Uh, but mostly because she's just like wary of her husband's actions. And that comes into play at the end of this. The fact that this woman doesn't ever do anything to deserve any sort of poetic comeuppance in the comic.
0: Right. And I think that that's, I think that that is a choice on Holland and his co-writers part to mm-hmm. put a hundred percent of your sympathy on Mary Joe in this right.
2: scenario. Yeah. in the, uh, um, in the comic, the husband is a lot more, well, they make him, they, they, they choose to make his character a little more like slow witted in the TV show. Uh, mm-hmm. In the, in the comic, he's just a guy. He's like a guy with a mustache and he smokes a pipe and he's just like, the, the man of the house and he's inappropriate and he puts, he's, he make puts advances on this young girl. And, uh, but you don't ever get the sense that he's like, he's not aware of what's going on. He's just, a, he's just a creepy jerk. Um, right. So yeah. So Holland and the, the screen, other screenwriter definitely made like, they made choices in how to adapt to this.
1: Yeah. Um, and so Louisa uh, turns to George and then she says, well, She's crazy, uh, which means we got free help for life. Uh, cause who else is gonna take her in? And George is like, "Fuck yeah, she's gonna be here forever." He's like, super looking forward to that. And she's like, she doesn't say it, but essentially, like, she looks at him, kind of like, "Don't be so happy about it. Like, um, you're kind of uh showing your hand here." She just right puts at this up point, it's it. very much
0: an open sequ- secret between the two of them. His excitement about. Being yeah. around him, why he's excited and again,
1: she's baby. just she just kind of ignores it, uh, even though he's being right. very transparent. Uh, and then it's nighttime and everyone is asleep. And George is once again uh, dreaming about Mary Jo slash Rachel uh, picking up those eggs. Uh, all, I guess, sexy like, like, how dare she pick up eggs? Um, so again, I guess just like picking up eggs is really like his thing. Um, and he, he works himself up, uh, into a lather and says, um, and sees Mary Jo, uh, running out, uh, just, just running out outside in her nightgown, uh, just going, woo, uh, and it just, it seems like she's having a lot of fun on her own. Um, it almost seemed to me like she was playing hide and seek with an invisible force. And I was hoping that it was the clown, uh, (laughs) but then it wasn't. Uh, so this just disappointments all around. Um, and he goes after her. So he's like, why is she having fun without me? So she goes out to see the scarecrow clown boyfriend. Um, and she's like, Hey, look, I changed for you. Do you like it? Oh my God, I feel so bad for you that you hear all alone all day. I see you watching me from, I guess all the way over here in the middle of the corn. Um, he's got good eyes. Yeah. And she puts her arms around the scarecrow clown man and tries to kiss him. Uh, at which, which point George uh, looks at her and he's like, Oh my God, she's so dumb. Like, she literally doesn't know the difference between a real man and a scarecrow. So he goes over there and he essentially tries to be like, look, I'm going to show you what a real man is and tries to kiss her. But she's like, "Um, excuse me. No, you're not made out of hay and you're not wearing a clown mask. You're totally not my type. Um, And so. She yeah, she just gets away. And then we cut to the next day, and we see Mary Jo again, all dressed up, uh, really nice. She's got uh, a cute skirt. For, uh, type. of... I would of say uh, for being
0: for being a captive on a, a remote farm, she finds a new outfit somewhere.
2: Like, I don't know yeah. If this is just me, oh yeah, clothes. yeah. I never thought about that.
1: <laughs> and but I mean, I do want to qualify that's like it's a cute skirt and a cute top, but they're still dated, like. You could make right. the case that, you know, it's all clothes. They just, you know, it looks good on her because she's cute, but it's also, right. no, she's I, I, not, she's I think not. The only explanation
0: is that she she's wearing Luisa's old clothes because they're about equivalent sizes, I guess. Like you, it's not outside their own possibility that she could have just like dug up some of her old, cuter clothes from a previous age
1: yeah but also it's not anything revealing either. That's something that like I do want to point out like it's it's a mm. long skirt uh and it's a uh, like a three quarters of uh sleeve top like it's not i, I don't know i don't I
0: don't know so see there's a lot of shoulder going on in that outfit
1: um so yeah, it's to me, it's like normal clothes they're just you know. Cuter right. than what she was wearing before, uh, but she's like, "Yeah, you know, I uh, I try to dress up for my man," and she keeps on calling <laughs> him my man like that, mm-hmm. um, like
0: she's Aquaman or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, and George is like, "Oh, hey, I see that. <laughs> Don't you look nice today? I see, I see that you dressed up." Uh, and she's like, "Yep, I'm dressing up for my man because we have another date tonight at midnight." I hope he likes it, and I hope he finally gives it to me, uh, because that's essentially, (laughs) yeah, yeah, she's like trying. That's pretty
2: much what he says.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's just, she's trying to make it happen. And so it's night again, and George and Louisa are sleeping in the same bed, uh, trying to sleep. Uh, They're, I guess, about to fall asleep, and Louisa says, look, I know what you're up to, and I just want you to know that I will literally kill you if you cheat on me. He's like, I'm not cheating on you. And she's like, oh, I know you're not.
0: (laughs) But when you do,
1: when you do, I will kill you. So it's like, I think it's interesting, like, this entire time she's been very permissive. He, like, gaslights her, but she's kind of like, okay, whatever. Because she knows nothing is happening yet. Uh, But But the moment it did,
0: like, all bets are off on what she's willing to do.
1: Yeah, and I think she feels like it's kind of coming up to a crescendo. She's kind of, she feels like something's about to happen, and that's when she's, she's like... She's looked at the episode runtime, and she knows think.
0: we're getting up to the climax. Yeah. Here. <laughs> it's almost yeah. time for the
2: ironic ending. <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, and so George has what I call the wet dream about Mary Jo. I
2: don't even think you have to call it that. I think that's pretty much what it is.
1: I
0: was like, You also did uh, not coin that term.
1: Yes. I, I, I mean he's, you know, just, he's just very sweaty and he's dreaming about, uh, I guess, having sex with her. And he, lo and behold, ends up waking up right at the stroke of midnight. And he's like, oh, I'm just in time to go see Rachel and her man. Um, and so we then cut to Mary Jo and, uh she's on her way to see her man, as she said. Um, and, uh, uh sorry i'm trying not to get ahead uh of yeah, myself fine. but she gets uh, out so really yeah out of the so scarecrow
0: at this point
1: she yeah she makes her way to scarecrow clown boyfriend and she hugs him uh, and she's like you know tries to kiss him and it's like trying to uh hug him and then holy shit he moves and she's like, "Oh my God, yes, I knew it." Uh, and they start making out. <laughs> uh, and I think we kind of, we can kind of all see what's about to happen. Um, but I was, uh, I gotta say, I was, uh, I was hoping that it wasn't gonna be this. I was hoping again that it was gonna be like a real possessed scarecrow clown type of deal <gasps> uh, right so, no i, th- I
0: think y- your, your excitement early on <laughs> of seeing the scarecrow move uh, yeah ended up not being fulfilled by the episodes uh, own oh yes edition. because yeah. as uh,
1: as you can kind of see where we're driving at uh luisa gets up and then she feels Immediately, anytime anybody's married in a TV show, they wake up and the first thing they do is like put their hand over on the other side. This is like the universal like uh symbol for I am married. It's
0: it's, right. it's your wake up spouse check
2: of like is my yes. here? Uh, I do yes. that every few minutes. Uh,
1: <laughs> and so and so yeah, she realizes George's not there, and she like goes uh almost running um and she gets on the tractor. And I'm assuming the reason she gets on the tractor is because, like, she has a limp, right? So she needs to get over there. She has this leg brace on, so, like, that's
0: an ongoing thing that she can't move quickly. Like, I think at one point, George is carrying her when they're, like, going through the cornfield. Yeah, yeah. she has mobility issues.
1: Yes, and so she gets on the tractor to try to get over there fast. And somehow she knew that it was going to be by the scarecrow. And she makes it there and sees sees Rachel, or sorry, Mary Jo... (laughs) uh and scarecrow and then mary joe is just like really upset that she showed up and she's like oh my god we were about to get to the action how dare you come and interrupt us and she's like who are you talking to and where's george and she's like george's not here there's just me and my man and she's like oh my god you're so dumb this is just a scarecrow it's made out of hay and she takes a pitchfork and she stabs the scarecrow repeatedly uh, yeah. And lo and behold, it was George. Um, Who
2: knew? Wah, wah, wah.
1: Yep. And so yeah, uh, I was I was really upset <laughs> that it ended up being this, <laughs> and it didn't end up being like a real like cursed clown. See, if I if I were working with this, I would have given you the assumption that it was gonna be George. There, because that's kind of what you're thinking that's going to happen. Right. But then, actually, have George somewhere else entirely, and then just have the clown just kind of come to life. And like I was saying, how that would certainly be a avenge... very
0: different like point on the end of this episode. Of like, right. oh, yeah, no, if, she, if she wasn't like, I will get into this as we get to the end of the episode. I think the end of the episode actually is pertaining something much larger i talked to phil about this earlier but we can get to that when we get to the actual like how this episode actually closes out
1: uh and so yeah so uh louisa ends up killing george with a pitchfork um and uh as she kneels over his body uh, she turns her back on mary joe who is then able to get the pitchfork and then just stab louisa as well
0: mm-hmm. and, and gets then, the keys and the leaves
1: yes and then she right. she gets the keys and she starts uh she runs off she's skipping and she's saying i'm finally free um so to me the way that i'd like to read that is that maybe maybe she was faking it maybe she was trying to uh work both of them uh in a way right. that she could escape like that um i think you can i think it's open a little to interpretation uh but in any way uh that yeah, was that's, that was I, the I, end I, of I, the I, story I, and we do have the crypt keeper uh who sums things
0: up can we can we sit on the ending for just a sec i know we're, we're running long but i just want to i th- for me this ending i i i get how you could read it in multiple ways for me, it's pretty unambiguously that she was basically playing both of them to get them out in the field, basically played this con to get the ending from the comic story. Because that's the other thing is like, in the comic story, this does not happen. She does not the, she does not kill the woman and then escape because there's no reason for her to do that in the comic story. She's not being held captive. I think that the end of this episode is 100% suggesting that the whole... Scarecrow thing was a ruse to get them out there, so she could kill both of them and escape um if it's not that, I hate
2: this episode
0: <laughs> see, that was, doesn't
2: that doesn't even either way doesn't actually make any sense there's no there's no you're given you you see through her eyes that she sees the scarecrow move early on right that's that's uh, that's the only
0: she, like way she shows that I see genuine
2: she shows genuine shock and horror when he's killed by his wife like she seems genuinely upset none of it makes like, it doesn't work anyway like either right. way it's a it's a it's unsatisfying ending because how could she have known that he would have done this like how could she have known it would have she could have just killed them both in their sleep if that was her plan that, like
0: that's that's fair i i think for me though like that guy's saying i think that that's It's it's a it's it is such a deviation from the story that is in the comic that I have to think that there's some motivation behind why they end it this way, because the alternative is that when she kills Louisa, she just has like this moment of clarity of like, oh, this is my chance to get away and then does. And then I don't know if the implication is supposed to be other with the way that she's singing and the way that she's leaving and she's singing about being free at last. If like. The implication is like, oh, well, so the head injury has caused her to be this dangerous lunatic at this point. <laughs>
2: like, I think I think they just wanted to kill another person at the ending and didn't <laughs> really give it a whole lot of thought by the time <laughs> that came around, because, again, none of it, none, none of it in, in the comic. She she goes to the scarecrow. The wife follows them out there and she's like, this is my boyfriend. And the wife is like, oh, you poor thing. This is just a scarecrow. Look, I'll show you. And she takes the pitchfork and she stabs the scarecrow legitimately just to show her it's just a scarecrow. And then the husband dies and that's it. Like and then it is like the end. And you're like, I ironic, I guess. Like it's not even like that great of an ending. <laughs> At right. least in the TV show, you get two deaths like it's. It's really weird and unsatisfying in any case.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I I, I just I, I guess I'm just the odd man out here. I'm, th- I'm finding this ending really strong I, <laughs> I, in terms of like having a satisfying catharsis of they're both like this, this abusive couple gets their comeuppance and she gets away. And like, but I she don't doesn't. Have...
2: She's going to jail. Like as soon as anyone finds <laughs> these bodies out in the field, it's like, oh, it was probably that woman who worked there who stabbed both of them with a the pitchfork." I don't think anybody like, knows
0: that she's there. Like that's the thing. Is that because she was taken hostage and they were holding her like, like, hey, if you you know don't do what we say, we're gonna call the police. I don't think anyone knows that she was there in the first place. And we
1: also don't really know <laughs> what time period it is. So it's well, that's be... always an issue
0: with the show. <laughs> right yeah like so, do
1: they have fingerprinting uh and like are her or, fingerprints yeah. gonna be on the pitchfork sure. enough for someone to be like oh was it um oh it was this person that that killed them both um and yeah. then even at that point could she like she could uh conceivably plea that um it was self-defense Right. And she had, at the very least, she has a head injury to kind of prove that she it's was true. Uh, being held there against her will. So, yeah, I mean, from that perspective, I did think about the ending, thinking that at least there's a little bit of a revenge going on there from uh, the fact that they're keeping her there. We don't know how long she's been there. Um, obviously, you know, they're keeping her against her will. Louisa is beating her with a cane. This guy tried to um, have his way with her forcefully. Uh, and then what I found most disturbing to, and, and again, this gets into this, like, more ideas around consent. Uh, uh, like, he dressed himself up as, as a clown in order to fool her uh, to mm-hmm. have sex with her. So, again, like, I would consider that rape as well because Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. This this
0: episode has multiple different methods of non-consensual sex.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, from that perspective, I do, I agree with you. I felt like at least there is that revenge element there um, where she kills them. Well, she only kills Louisa and Louisa kills George, but you know, they're, they both do get their comeuppance and she's able to run away. But what I I, what I do find a little disturbing is her reaction to having survived the blow over the head and the sexual assault was very weird and unsettling to where she kind of she becomes kind of bubbly, but then also really obsessed with sex like. Oh, and I actually think that's really interesting. Which, again, Phil, like, as
0: our expert, is is not typical responses <laughs> right. to. What well, yes. I was going to say is, is
2: if if like if after she killed Louisa, if say her whole affect had just gone completely right. If she dropped the
0: mask, that would definitely communicate that. Then I would have been like, yeah.
2: oh wow, it was a ruse all the time. But because she keeps acting like a like a like a bubbly little like child afterwards, I'm like, oh wait, what is that? Yeah, that's, yeah. that yeah. has a
0: fair criticism. Because
2: now you're just some poor like. Poor woman with a brain injury wandering through a cornfield at night. I'm like, now what? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's where I that's where I think that it can be left up to you to decide what happened, you know? And I think that's why, yeah. like, you can read it as, you know, she was still kind of under whatever was happening with her. And that's why she was still kind of acting weird. Uh, or maybe she was acting weird. Uh, because she was happy that she's finally getting away like i don't know i think i think it's kind of like maybe you can like decide for yourself what happened and what's kind of happening to her Um, yeah but uh, but honestly i'm
2: never i'm never going to think about this again though
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure Yeah, I will say on the on the website it does say the ending implies that Mary Joe may not have been insane and was pretending to be so uh, so as part of a plan to escape. Whether she really was insane or not uh, is left up to the viewer. So thanks, thanks, uh, <laughs> tales from the crypt wiki for summarizing <laughs> the conversation we've been having for the last five minutes.
1: Right. Nice. <laughs> um, and so yeah, but, when
0: oh yeah, we go back to the crypt keeper who's still uh, dressed up like a farmer.
1: With yeah. the pitchfork
0: at this point.
1: Yeah, and then he says, Now that's not what you call safe sex.
2: Ha 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 that's a <laughs> yeah, crypt makes- keeper.
1: <laughs> yeah, he that's makes like a
0: boner joke, I think.
1: Yeah, yes. yep. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was the episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, was this episode ever adapted for the animated Tales from the Crypt Keeper? <laughs>
0: Well, that's, you know, that when we run out of these episodes, Phil, we'll get to those and we'll let you know if, I don't, I don't, I don't know enough about that show if that was also like adaptations of old DC Comics. It was
2: definitely just, not. It was definitely yeah, was not. It, yeah. Was uh, it just random shit. I just, I don't think I can emphasize just how gross this episode made me feel
0: well let's so phil why don't we get into this uh as i told you at the end of every episode or at the end of like end of our discussion of every episode we each declare if we think this episode is a keeper an episode that folks should seek out or a stinker one that is best left forgotten i think i know where you land on this one but uh (laughs) would you call this one a
2: keeper or a stinker this is definitely a stinker i can't even figure out why they thought this was a good comic to adapt in the first place. Like I can't imagine. That's a reading... question for
0: a lot of these episodes of why this one
2: now shock Suspense stories was famous for being the, the the comic that had the most like graphic stories and dealt mm. with like quote unquote issues. Like it dealt with like racism and, uh, and like hate crimes and, and like sexual assault. Like it, it dealt with those things. That's why it was the most controversial one. Um, and so, in a like a clumsy nineteen fifties way, this story is like, yeah, like keep your hands off the ladies, gents, or you'll end up a dead scarecrow. But like you right. update it for the nineties and you expand the story, and it, it all the cracks show, and it's just it's not it's not worth your time. It's just it's gross, and it the camera crawls all over Patricia Arquette, and I'm just like, nope, there's there's better entertainment out there. <laughs>
0: Uh Ceci, do you have a a, a a similar take on this one?
1: Yeah, um I do like like I said it made me uncomfortable. Um and there's some some questionable stuff here like I like I said I find the character's response to uh the assault really disturbing that you know, they just turned her into this, like, bubbly, effervescent, oh, no, nothing is happening, everything is great, uh, person. um So, yeah, I, I find that disturbing, but at the same time, I also wonder if that's, like, you know, people have different reactions to trauma. So, like, okay, maybe from that perspective, it it's, I don't want to say accurate, but, like, maybe, like, They It was unintentional, but maybe that's what they ended up doing is Hmm. you have like this completely opposite reaction to a traumatic event. Um, Right. But uh, from the, so I don't know, from that perspective, I at least find it like somewhat like interesting uh, that they, you know, they didn't set, I'm assuming they didn't set for that. uh, They didn't set out to write it that way, but it kind of came out that way. Yeah. Um, that that
0: is that is a a theme that you got out of it that you don't necessarily think the authors intended.
1: Yeah, um, but I do think, like from an episode perspective, like we've been seeing some real stinkers in the the <laughs> last. I would say the last three ones were particularly terrible. So when I put it in into that whole context of some of the episodes that I haven't liked, uh, especially some of the recent ones that I felt like were particularly boring like we just watched one that was all about insurance schemes um from that perspective i would say that this one is a keeper just from the perspective that this was a very um contained story uh and Mm. i keep saying it every time pretty much that we watch an episode it's like i think that they struggle with 30 minutes in order for you to tell a story in 30 minutes and actually feel something for the characters like uh, we watched one. Um, uh, what was it called? The one with Terry Hatcher, where <laughs> essentially within, oh, the in thing less,
0: from the grave. Yes,
1: in less than thirty minutes, uh, Terry Hatcher falls in love with a photographer and literally moves in with him like the day they meet. Uh, and then he falls in love with her so much that he gives her this like necklace that's like the a charm that essentially turns him later into um, a zombie. Uh, and this all happens literally within, like, two days and 30 mm. minutes. And it just feels so fast and so rushed that, like, at the end, you're like, okay, well, that's something that happened. And it doesn't feel like it has there's any, like, emotional, like, connection to it. Whereas, like, here, in 30 minutes, um, I feel like you do feel for Mary Jo. You want her to get away from these awful people. And then when these people... Uh, awful people f- do finally get their come up and it's like it does feel like fuck yeah like hmm. <laughs> like yeah you're getting what you deserved um so from that perspective like I do feel like at least uh, at least it's not <laughs> a bad insurance scheme uh yeah. and it is uh <laughs> which is like an extremely low bar I realize that and then also no i yeah I, think, uh, I you- think
0: I think what What's coming out of this conversation that I'm realizing is that Phil does not have the Stockholm syndrome that you and I have with the show.
2: <laughs> I this do morning. not.
1: Yeah, um, and I, I, I... just one thing one thing that I did want to want to say is that it, it is very uh, noticeable when you have a director that knows how to direct, and I feel like
2: Tom mm-hmm. Holland
1: is an interesting director, so hmm. he's going to. Make things interesting, I feel, even if the material is not the best, and I think that's one another thing that's missing from some of the episodes that have been stinkers, like we've been on a row of stinkers, um and I think that that's part of the reason why I think this stands out for me uh is because like you actually do have a good director uh trying to make something interesting with the thirty minutes that he has and trying to tell a very focused story
0: hmm. Yeah, I think that that last point you make is kind of something I want. I want to hop on here as I I kind of give my my thoughts on this one. Um, I'm very torn on this one because I'm kind of in both camps. Like, I understand Phil's perspective. Like, boy, this thing is real gross and has no like substantial larger merit. Like for like like this watching this episode of "Tales from the Crypt" is not going to make you a better person by any means. No, <laughs> uh, which I don't necessarily know is the the effort or purpose of this show but it but i think that, that that is worth mentioning that like at the end of it was like oh well, i just need to take a shower after watching this episode um but uh tom holland is a really good horror director this is kind of it's it's funny because this is very much love or come hack to me was very similar of like there's no there's no real like moral to this there's no real like central like larger like social point this thing is trying to make it's just kind of a a real schlocky kind of skeezy horror story and this definitely Mm -hmm. this goes beyond that even and like like this is clearly like tom holland is just being really nasty in this thing um and i think that the the um i'm trying to think of a better word for it but the craft of it is there in a way that i think does elevate material that i think is morally morally questionable <laughs> um and i and i think that for me it only sneaks over into the keeper territory because of how lo- much i like the ending and i think that the ending for me elevates it to this thing of like okay so all this other stuff leading up to this all the prurient interest stuff and the fact that like one of the things like other i think one of the things that i i i the moment where you do see her seeing the scarecrow move. One of the things that's interesting about that is that otherwise this episode is almost entirely from George's perspective. Mm. Like you kind of like, it's all sort of like he is in some points, like very like literally the viewpoint character that we are seeing the story unfold from. And so I think that that's one of the things that's clever is that like it, it, it with my reading of the ending it's like he's been reading this thing one way but like performatively it might be different than like how he has been reading things like going through like things like her wearing the jeans that have her butt showing her like showing off her cute outfit like all these things are to entice him into closer to her and like knowing he's a gross dude and like setting up like i'm going to be out here at midnight with the scarecrow um and i want to make love to him and like just setting this like honey trap which again gross but is her like using her knowledge of what a skis he is to have this method of escape with that reading i think i like this episode a lot more and so i'm forcing myself to read it that way and to allow myself to enjoy this one <laughs> um so yeah sorry sorry phil thanks for coming <laughs> to- yeah. no i <laughs>
1: At least it wasn't any of the last three ones that we saw so yeah it certainly
2: wasn't boring
0: uh, yes that I think that is the the thing that Cesie and I are, are like keying in on is like boy this thing like like moment to moment like the stakes of any given moment are kind of clear and like there's it 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 uses its thirty minutes well whereas I feel like a lot of episodes of the show. Either run out of time or like are spending time doing stuff that does not matter. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's a it's it's well made filth. That's what I'll say.
1: <laughs> nice. Um,
0: which I think cool. at this point is is going to be what the Tom Holland uh, style is for this show. Like I again, we haven't seen this final episode, but like that's how I would describe um, Lover Come Hack to me as well as well made filth. Um, and uh, I'm down for both of those uh, attempts at that. Hmm.
1: and so uh, we uh, coming up to the to the end of the episode, we usually try to think about if there are any actors uh if if there was ever like a revival from o uh, four uh, tales from the Crypt, if there are any modern day actors that you might see in these roles, if for some reason. Uh, someone decided to make this particular take, episode. Take, take we don't another know why take they would. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, do you have boy. any any potential castings?
0: Um, my my only one that like I my trio that I can because this is a a different, like, three hander like you don't have a huge cast on this one, um. So you can really go through the whole cast. I was thinking. And maybe it just because on my mind because of uh, her recent Oscar win, but uh Francis McDermott, I think, as the as the Louisa character, um, I think could could bring something to that role. Um I think just because I know he can go big and gross, Billy Bob Thornton came to mind for the yes. role.
1: Same, uh, absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh and for Mary Jo, um, I don't know, because she's cute i guess Kiernan shipka i think is like the first person i would think of for that so that, that would be my trio for this um but also maybe don't make another version of this story i don't know
2: i was gonna say go fully animated just okay get the people who did bojack horseman and just go nuts with animation have a real <laughs> scarecrow this time make it live sure. make it make it frolic like just go yeah <laughs> if you're gonna no, if that, you're gonna so,
0: go- i think that that's that's a great punch-up of like have Sessie's ending of like or like as all this like is going down and like uh mary joe's like in threat like the real scarecrow comes out and protects her or something like some crazy yes like, add a supernatural twist to the end of it. Right. A
2: scarecrow is the spirit of their last farmhand or something. Yes.
1: Yeah, or maybe if we go with the idea that, like, she is one in a line of many girls who have been kind of abducted by these uh, these people, uh, then maybe, like, the clown knows that they're awful and that they're doing these things and they're forcing this, these girls into, like, do work for them so maybe like maybe that's why the clown comes out kind of like to avenge them um so yeah i mean that I, when i saw the clown move and i thought for a second that maybe it was going to be like some sort of supernatural element i was here for it and then it didn't pan out and i still feel like that would have been the best the, the better way to go here yeah I do want to uh, give a shout out to a book that this reminded me of. Maybe that's why I popped for it. Um, Mm. But uh, there's a great book called uh, Clown in a Cornfield by uh, Adam yeah, Uh, yeah, And I absolutely love that book. And so I think that when I was watching this and I saw literally the clown in the cornfield, I was like, fuck yeah. Uh, So that's probably why I was ready for this to be something maybe better. Uh, so I would say that uh, instead of instead of watching this episode, maybe go read a clown in a cornfield. This much better book, use of your nerds. time. <laughs> read a book, why don't you? Uh, yep.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, I think that that gets us to uh, the end. Phil, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a real pleasure having. Hey, your thanks for having me. Perspective, um, having somebody who's not been in the mines with us, uh, definitely like. Um, has been helpful in having this conversation. And so I appreciate you being here. Uh, where can folks find you and your many wonderful observations on pop culture?
2: Well, uh, as you mentioned up top, I have three podcasts right now. I had to actually do the math in my head. Um, I have Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast, which is a podcast I've been doing for six years now about the Berenstain Bears. Uh, I have a podcast called uh, It's Del Toro Time that I've been doing for... Four years now, which was ostensibly about Guillermo del Toro's movies, but is now about the movies that influenced Guillermo del Toro, according to his master list that I do with my uh, my daughter, Willow. And uh, I have a podcast called Pizza Toast that I do with Christy Admiral, which is a podcast all about uh, Babysitter's Club adaptations and ephemera. So uh, you can find, just search Deep in Bear Country, Pizza Toast, or uh, It's Del Toro Time and something will pop up.
0: All right, and and I can, uh, co-sign all those shows as being um excellent soul-affirming things, unlike oh, our garbage show. <laughs> um, I don't uh, know.
2: We've covered some. We've covered some pretty dicey movies on its Del Toro time. The guy didn't <laughs> always have the best taste.
0: Sussy, <laughs> uh, where can folks find you online?
1: Um, at sussy.dev.
0: Yeah. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Jay, the cake thief can find us on Twitter at crypt speakers. If I ever remember to actually put anything on that, we have a website, <laughs> crypt You can go look at some pictures there. Um, and, uh, thank you so much for listening. You, for, y- yes, you, I'm talking to you. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we wouldn't be here without you. That's not true, but I'm going to go with it. Um, and, uh, if you could, you know, want to give us a five-star review on uh i uh apple podcasts if you want to spread the word just tell one person tell one person hey you want to listen to assume people struggle through 90s <laughs> horror television classic uh this is the show for you um and uh that will help us get the word out uh big thanks to molly fancher for our intro and outro music mr n making great psychobilly out of russia uh you can find them on bandcamp and throw them some dollars um But, uh, again, thank you, Phil, and we're going to head on out. So, until next time, kiddies!